Hello everyone and welcome back for another episode of the Endless Spiral podcast. I am as always your host Keith Russell. On this episode I'm super super excited to say that we are joined by the brilliant and multi-talented Stephanie Preisner. Stephanie is an award-winning writer for screen and stage. She's an author. She hosts her own brilliant podcast called Basically which I really really like. She's created um, Can't Cope, Won't Cope on Netflix and she's a regular contributor to the Sunday Independent and with all that going on, she's fairly recently been diagnosed with autism. So she's got a load, load going on. And she's managed to give up, she's managed to give up a few minutes to chat to me today. If I actually shut up, we can actually introduce Stephanie. So Stephanie, off you go. It's your stage now. Though that's so funny. Like whenever people introduce me, like with all of those credentials, it's like yeah. I feel this sense of like. Because I remember like before I had any profile when I would listen to podcasts or watch interviews with people and they'd just be introduced by their achievements. You always end up like measuring yourself against them. And like what's not there is like, oh, Stephanie has had three TV shows that haven't got made. Stephanie has had four Arts Council applications that have been rejected. Stephanie has this many, you know, failed relationships, failed friendships, like it's it's not sometimes helpful when we introduce people just by their credentials and I understand why they do it because like otherwise it's quite tedious but I just think for like people listening often it's good for people to say like yeah that's one name it like that's my cv but like Mm, yeah also all this stuff has happened because yeah it's just like very curated it's like an instagram version of life isn't it yeah it is yeah well like if you want i can re-record the intro and just do all the, the stuff that didn't work if you prefer <laughs> no i'd say you're grand we'll just <laughs> yeah we, we'll, we'll just we'll just leave it <laughs> so look we've got loads going on as i mentioned and we were just obviously before um we came on you were chatting about your live version of your podcast and we'll get to your podcast obviously eventually we had a live version of the podcast um last night so i actually just wanted to quickly ask you how that went because I was looking at pictures on, on Instagram, on Twitter today, and it actually looked like a great event. Um, did it you enjoy it? Like, it went so well. Like Just before it started, I was like, I immediately regret my decision. I hate this. Why do I do this myself? Yeah. I wish this wasn't happening. I want to run away. And then, then the lights came up. I couldn't see anyone because the lights were so bright. So that was like really helpful. And then uh, I, I just love interviewing people that I'm interested in. You know, like I had uh, PJ Gallagher on, who's my yeah. friend, and... Luke O'Neill who I had loads of questions for and then Rory O'Neill who's Panty Bliss and yeah. he's just such a fascinating guy so you know if I'm interested in something the questions come easy like if I'm not I can't interview someone like I've had so many people uh, mm. like you know asked to be on the podcast and I'm like I literally wouldn't know what to ask this person like yeah. I, I have no I, I can't I think it might be an autistic thing like I I, I cannot feign interest I don't know what to ask if my brain isn't naturally curious about something okay gotcha. so the podcast guests were perfect and we had such a good night and then I was a little bit stressed about like meeting people because unstructured mingling is difficult for me okay. um but in the end it was so lovely and I I just had built it up in my head and it was yeah. just so lovely to meet the listeners of the podcast and meet the people who've read my books and who you know who 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 followed me I suppose and um so a bit tired today after it it was a late night but yeah. overall like will I do it again yes will I do it again soon no right. but you know a great time was had by all 
Yeah. Well, I like I'd be like that as well because like I'm not, I'm not sure if you're too familiar with my story, but like I I suffer well I did suffer quite bad with anxiety, and when I get overwhelmed with stuff a bit like that. I would be the same. You know, you kind of just have a bit of a, a come down the next day and you're yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're just absolutely exhausted. You're, like, you just have no energy. And um, so that's what I was just saying, like, before we come on, I was just like, you know, I'll ask you, were you okay? Because like, I, I was quite mindful and obviously that you might be exhausted today. So we'll try and keep a quiet light. And that's why I gave you such a big intro, you know, I was just trying to boost you up a little bit. I'm really <laughs> delighted. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, look, we yeah, so look, we'll we we'll come to your podcast eventually, but obviously, I, I kind of wanted to chat to you about your own mental health and um your diagnosis as well, and um, because I know you've been quite open about speaking about your mental health in the past, um, and I read a quick quote from you there earlier on that said, and I'll just read it quickly to you because I just thought it was interesting. Said. I was, on, I was on social media a lot during the pandemic, helping other people to process what was happening. And I noticed that while a lot of people were struggling with their mental health, what was happening to me was slightly different. I just become fixated on the data. So, but like you've been quite open with your mental health before that. So has something changed in, in your mental health and how you process things? Or was it just like how you were feeling? Well, I think any autistic adult like comes to get their diagnosis with a number of other diagnoses velcroed onto them because right. autism in women is hard to, hard to uh, kind of distinguish. And so at the time, like when I came to get my autism diagnosis, I had previously spoken publicly about having an eating disorder, having been on medication for depression, having been medicated for anxiety, um, having been alcohol dependent and all of those things are actually explained through just one diagnosis, which is autism. Um, but before I knew all of those things, I have, yeah, I've spoken about having panic attacks and um, being really, really anxious, which is all very typical for an autistic person living in a world that's not designed for autistic people. Being anxious is very normal because an autistic brain needs order and structure and predictability and routine. And it seems that a lot of neurotypical or non-autistic people find those things like really restrictive and they don't want to commit they just want to go out and hang out for the evening and like what does that even mean like where are we hanging and who's going to be there and how long is it going to be and how am I going to get home and do I need to bring snacks and you know there so it's, it's it's very easy to be anxious when you're autistic you know and, and not know it yeah see, um, I can completely sorry for interrupting you I can completely get everything you're saying like a few people have said to me that I should be I should get tested for autism and if someone else had said to me I should get tested for ADHD and I was when I well, was in, go on yeah no just like in the diagnosis that that I got like they do test mm. you for ADHD as well oh, okay, I don't right. have ADHD at all but I mean if it depends on how many people are saying it to you like but what what what, what would be the reason that you wouldn't get assessed yeah um, it's very I, I I looked up and it was very expensive to get done and then if to to go on the public sector I think I think it was can be quite long um so that's kind of what there's actually no pathway for it at the moment. Yeah. Um, oh, right, yeah, right. It, it's 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 850 euro, which that's is the price I that, got. That, that 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 is a huge barrier for people. And I mean, you can pay it over three months, but nevertheless, like it's 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 sad that that yeah. finance is a barrier. And that's why some people are self-diagnosing. And, you know, if, if it tends to be the case that like if you do have an autistic brain, then doing a lot of research is something that you're probably interested in and, and generally people who have given themselves a diagnosis because they can't afford to get a 
a, a, an actual diagnosis you know they if they're autistic like they'll have done a lot of research so um yeah, yeah. the point is that uh, a lot of like nobody goes for a, an autism assessment because they're absolutely thriving in their life and they've never had an issue do you know what i mean it's generally because they have mental health issues the typical things like cbt and all that doesn't work they're not they feel like there is something blocking them from achieving the things they know they could achieve but and other people are achieving but they just can't they just can't reach it and like I always felt like what is like there's something different with me like why why can't I do why can't I be like the other girls you know why can't I go out and into loud bars and dance and why can't I like I can make friends very quickly but why can't I keep friends and how come everybody else knows what to say when I when when they when they socialize and how come other people are interested in not the things that I'm interested in and the things that they are interested in I find very tedious and I always felt that like if I did enough therapy and if I found the right combination of words I would unlock the key to to being the same as other people and so getting the diagnosis was like this big like in a way, like in a way it was, it was a big relief because it, it explained me to myself in the way that, in the same way that like when I was told that I was short-sighted, I was like, oh, that's why I can't see the leaves on the trees. Like that's perfectly grand. Give me the glasses. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and yet then there's this other part that's a little bit of grief of like, oh God, I'm going to have to wear glasses every day. You know, like, oh God, same, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm autistic, you know, like I'm not going to be able to learn how to be like the other girls. But then you sort of learn through health and psychology that, you know, neuroplasticity is a thing and you can train your brain to do things. But the the way my brain works is fundamentally different to other people. And so measuring myself by other people's metrics is not helpful. And um, yeah. and I need to come at things in a sort of a unilateral way. OK, yeah, yeah. Because I was going through, um, you know, like the, the list on, on the Internet, the usual, you Google it and, you know, like it's as you said, but the self-diagnosis and I was going through the list. I was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Like I was literally, I fit all of them. <laughs> I had an eating disorder as well. And I was in treatment for that when I was diagnosed. And like the way to treat an eating disorder for someone who has an autistic brain is completely different to how you would treat an eating disorder in a non-autistic okay. brain. Okay. Um, I didn't know that there's a sensory piece around it like it's it's nearly almost 20 percent of people who have anorexia are autistic whether they know it or not um because you know if people were the way they were they are about food the way like about trains it would be very clear you know counting them like the the arithmetic of food counting calories counting step you know just Mm. the maths of food and and trying to find control and then with binge eating disorder or bulimia there's a real like with autistic people, there can be a real sensory piece around that. Like there are certain foods that trigger um, a response in our senses of that we want more of it. Because if an autistic brain gets dopamine or, you know, gets endorphins from different things, then it's it follows that one of those things could be some ingredients in food. And there's right. a thing called an interoception, which is our ability, the autistic person's ability to sense what's happening in their body so for me like one of the things I struggle with is knowing when I need to go to the toilet so unless like it's like I might not I might be like pass a toilet and be like I don't need to go at all and then five seconds later it is like it now it's an emergency you know and and that's always been the way since I was a kid because my internal signals don't reach me the same way they reach a non-autistic person and that's the same with hunger and and fullness cues and so I don't know when I'm full and I'll keep eating or I don't know when I'm hungry 
and all of a sudden I'll faint because I haven't eaten. And all of those things are very different than a, a neurotypical person's version of emotional eating or, um, wow. you know, so those things are very profound. And that's why it's really important to know if, if, if someone to, 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 for people to know who they are so that they know the types of brains that they have. So they know how to deal with the troubles that they're having, because the majority of people are like, Oh, just do CBT. But CBT doesn't work for an autistic it brain. It didn't work because, for me. I tried it. Yeah. It didn't work for me. Yeah. because It didn't work for me either because noticing your thoughts, challenging them and going back to the evidence is not helpful. If it's an autistic brain that is seeking patterns and comfort in something you know that like yeah. and it's very often the case with autistic people that like they would rather like th this would be an example for me like I would rather uh continue like I hate meeting new people I if I never met another new person again it would be too soon yeah, and so I, I would rather I would rather stay with uh, a doctor that was useless or you know someone who was like incredibly toxic because at least I know that person and you know the, the way the patterns that we stick to like I would rather eat the same thing every day even though it's like a bit disgusting than then go somewhere new or try something new and so the ways that we deal with uh, mental health issues for autistic people is different and for non-autistic people it's generally like exposure like expose people to the things that they're afraid of and give them coping tools to deal with it whereas with an autistic person that will send them into burnout because exposure just heightens our senses and leads to a trauma response and instead what we should be doing is eliminating uncertainty in as much as we can doing things that are calming doing things that are regulating having yeah. routine certainty predictability around things and not exposing people to things that are traumatic to them yeah um, yeah i have i actually i have another podcast and on the other podcast i have this thing called my fainting stories i have a lot of fainting stories and i say them as a joke but it's only when you mentioned fainting there i actually faint quite a lot yeah, yeah i mean those are like i'm obviously not a psychologist so I can't oh yeah exactly. you, but like yeah yeah yeah, and I yeah can you imagine? <laughs> there's definitely like if you know if if if, if it if it looks like a horse and it sounds like a horse, then it's probably not a zebra. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so come here, listen, how did you end up being diagnosed? Um, I was just going to say, because I saw I saw you on, I think it was an interview from 2017 on the Late Eight Show, and you were talking about your, your weight loss and you lost like, um, was it like 11 stone in a year and a half or something like that? Or something like that. I yeah, but like that was... Well, yeah that was an eating disorder do you know but like, like yeah but the public just... eye just gets so obsessed right. with weight loss that it's like right okay because i was thinking it was that you know real regimented and real strict and because you did yeah, it was. like yeah so you, did, you didn't have an idea back then obviously it was just or did you no. okay no i didn't uh it, 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 i wrote my first book and um a doctor that i was working with read it and was like yeah you know it's very entertaining but like would you consider getting assessed for autism, like the book is called Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same? And um, it just tracks all of the changes that 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 I've gone through in my life that I have found really intolerable and, and difficult to, to, to manage. And I was like, God, no, like I can make eye contact and like I I can speak and I'm not autistic because my cousin is autistic and uh, he, he has very high support needs, you know. And I just kind of thought uh, autism for me was that cousin of mine um or we need to talk about kevin that child or um rain man you know and i was like i'm also yeah. terrible at maths yeah. so i'm definitely not autistic 
it's but it, it's these are really unhelpful myths do you know what I mean like so um I went about my life and then it was suggested to me again uh by that doctor again and and again I said no and then I was seeing a therapist because I was having a lot of struggles and uh they kind of worked with me to and, and eventually kind of saw that the things that usually work for a, a neurotypical person were not working and that the, the, the struggles that I were was having were sort of indicative of of maybe an autistic experience and so they suggested and I think like when three people suggest something to you then it's a, it's kind of irresponsible to ignore it three professionals so at that point I, I I did a lot of research and I became almost certain that I was and, and at that point then then went to the adult autism practice um for assessment and it's a long enough process you know I mean not time-wise but there's a lot involved in it because it's a significant diagnosis so they have to be quite uh, careful you have to meet um there are two sort of checklists on the dsm-5 in the first one there are three criteria and you have to meet all three of them and in the other one there are five criteria and you have to meet four i believe um and so i had to fill in kind of questions about um how I was experiencing my life and my mum had to fill in things about how I experienced my childhood and my husband filled in things about how I experienced life from his perspective because you know sometimes we're not maybe the best judges of ourselves like I might be the type of person to say oh I'm really good at small talk and my husband would be like actually you're terrible at it but I actually happen to be quite self-aware so I know that I am terrible at it um so so that was uh last year in the summer and yeah and so then the diagnosis happened how have you been since have you have you had to change anything say like the way you even deal with your mental health has have you had to actually change anything yeah loads i've had to change loads okay. um just become um much more aware of what i need and before i knew that i needed those things but they sort of felt like riders that beyonce would you know be like i only want blue smarties um yeah. and now i realize that the things that i need like please don't Send, don't do not ring me and please do not send me multiple text messages in a row like those are not needs those those, those are not preferences those are needs and um I've just become more more confident in my in my asking for them you know like so I'm now more confident to say to a doctor listen after you take blood from me anything you say after that I'm not going to remember so can you please send me an email with what we agree um, when I leave and okay. before I knew I was autistic if I said to a doctor can you email me everything you tell me um, after after our session they would be like no we don't do that for clients I don't have the resources but when someone knows you're autistic and they know that you're asking it because it because of because there's something to back up the need for it I find that people are very very accommodating um, yeah. and you know I don't have to make excuses anymore for why I don't want to socialize with people I don't have to make excuses for why I'm not attending your child's communion or your brother's, you know, I, I, wedding. I don't, I just, I'm like, no, I can't. That's, that's not within my capacity. Sorry. And people are much more understanding and yeah, I guess it's easier to ask for the things I need now. You know, I need routine. I need predictability. I need to, and sometimes I don't have the energy to do things like there's some days where, you know, I, I'll hear, on the radio that there's a new restaurant opening and I'll really want to go or I'll hear about a new TV show that I'll really want to see and then and then Noel will be my husband will be like okay let's go on Friday and then Friday comes and it's like you know what I don't 
I'm not ready to go somewhere new. I'm not ready to watch something new today because I don't, I need to be in a very, I need to have a lot of reserves to watch something that I don't know. Um, and I can Google the endings of things and I can do all that, but I don't, I don't enjoy the experience of experiencing something new. So I have to be ready for that. So we tend to go to the same places and watch reruns of the same thing or, or at least watch the same franchise of, you know, um, but like I really like to watch Lego Masters so I can watch a new yeah. episode of that because it's a very structured show the British Bake Off is similar it's like mm. you know I know exactly what I'm getting here and it's just sort yeah. of the characters that change but they're inconsequential yeah. um, and you know also happy to say like I don't can we just read silently together for the, I don't really want to talk um, and all of those things make a lot more sense now in the context of the diagnosis yeah yeah it's so fascinating just listening to you because i'm just picking up on so much stuff but at least you're like you're you're aware now of the things that help you rather than not knowing or as you said feeling that if you want if you ask somebody you're imposing on them like do you know the doctor thing you said i never remember anything the doctor tells me ever that's exactly like it's it's a it's an auditory processing thing as well as like Mm. an executive function thing and when you it's if, if you're in an overwhelming or overstimulating place mm. you can forget it like you know um yeah, and yeah. literally um that that's this is why it's so important to know you know so you're not always going through your life to be like what the fuck is wrong with me like why can't i remember anything why can't I? i'm so useless but it's actually like no you're not you're perfect it's just that yeah. the world yeah. is measuring you exactly you know, and now you're not being hard on yourself all the time yeah exactly that's the thing how did you or did you feel any stigma with it because say like you're not you know because I, I suppose when you hear of autism at least I did anyway you usually think of a younger person so like the reason why I'm asking that is because I read a quote that you said I even just said it about Rain Man you know the stereotypical image and when I started sharing my story of body dysmorphia and the binge eating disorder I only started talking about this since last year because I only discovered the terms I felt a bit of a stigma because I thought people would be like Jesus like you're you're 40, you're 40 now, well, I'm 41 now, but 40 last year when I was talking about it, like, how have you let this go? How have you not dealt with this before? Did you feel any type of stigma, you know, not being diagnosed before? Like, not really, because, okay. like, no, everyone thinks, like, other people, no one is thinking, like, how did you not get diagnosed up to now? People are thinking, what, you're autistic? Like, I yeah. thought you had to be a rain man to be autistic. It's more about challenging the perception like on a broader sphere and helping people to realize that actually you can be autistic and look like me and autistic children grow into autistic adults. And there it's not that there is a lot more autism now. People think like, oh, every kid is autistic now. It's like, no, autism is as prevalent as it always was. We've just gotten better at recognizing it, which means that there are a load of autistic adults who were never diagnosed because they didn't meet the limited criteria that existed at the time, which was like, can you make eye contact? And are you rocking back and forward? You know, like what are the these really limited uh, perceptions that we had? And so there are a profound number of autistic adults who do not know that they are autistic out there in the world, struggling away getting lumped with different types of clinical diagnoses for things that they do not have all because they are autistic and it's not diagnosed and that for me is profoundly tragic and that's why that's why I disclosed that I was autistic because like there was a time when I was talking to my husband and you're like this is a private thing like I I don't do I need to disclose it and I have a difficulty between privacy and secrecy and I think a lot of people think the privacy and secrecy are the same thing but they are different things and um 
it's okay for something to be private but I felt a little bit then when I was keeping it private that actually there was a little bit of shame or something involved like that I was afraid of being judged or afraid of not being believed and 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 then it's a secret and secrets are toxic it's absolutely fine to have to have private have privacy and have things that are just yours but if you feel like you can't share something then it's a secret and then that's toxic and I don't want to be carrying around toxic things so at that point I was like no I need to disclose this now because it feels secretive and it feels like I can't say it and that then it's, something's going to slip up and, and and I just can't deal with that so that's when I kind of came out publicly and disclosed it um but I didn't feel like um like people were saying how did you not know sooner I, I, I felt more like people would be like you're not autistic because you can make eye contact and um yeah actually yeah. the opposite has been true like some like some a, a young girl 23 came to the podcast last night and said you know I, I listened to your podcast and, and and read your articles on autism and and I identified so much with what you said that I got a little bit freaked out so I also went for assessment and I got my diagnosis in January and I'm also autistic and I was like that's amazing that's exactly why amazing. I disclosed like now you can go about your life knowing who you are and not feeling like you don't have to do another 11 years like I did of feeling like yeah. you're too much and not enough and yeah. so messed up Um, go and live your brilliant autistic life because you're amazing like some of the best people yeah. I know are autistic brilliant. that is amazing isn't it just the, the story of the girl that that is uh, that's actually kind of just give me a bit of a chill that is amazing you know it nearly it makes it worthwhile for you doesn't it like you you know if you have one person you help you know you know it's amazing isn't it yeah yeah it's and, and it does make it feel like you know mm. if if I had had someone like me earlier mm. in my 20s that had just had if I knew that it was a thing and, it, and, and autism could look like me maybe I would have gotten diagnosed sooner because I had I was lucky enough to have the means to get assessed and I but I just needed the information I needed representation I needed to see that that autism could look like me and and I didn't have yeah. that, and so I had. To, but I'm lucky that I can be that person for other people. Yeah, brilliant. That's I love that. That's amazing because I was kind of saving up with the other stuff where I because I didn't fit the stereotypical image of someone with body image issues or or would have an eating disorder. I was self stigmatizing myself then because you kind of like, well, and then you said it exactly a few minutes ago. You like, will people believe you? I thought people wouldn't believe me because I'm kind of you know because I don't fit the stereotypical image. So it kind of similar to what you're saying. It's just education, really. People just need to be educated more on these conditions. Unfortunately, I suppose there just isn't enough education out there. Yeah, I think that is the problem, just that people aren't mm. um, aware of the broadness of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Um, if people did want to get diagnosed, how would they go about it? Um, so as I said, there's no real pathway through the public system in very limited cases there is but not really um so you would have to go privately i there are a number of places that do it um i only went to one so i can and, and i can really really vouch for how professional and incredible they were and it was adultautism.ie that's the one it i was costs on 800 it costs 850 euro it's all done remotely um you can pay that over three months and if you're unsure like should i maybe am i i'm not sure you can do an assessment, you can do a, a consultation with a psychologist with uh, in adult autism. Um, it, that's 150 euro. And if you proceed, that price comes off the cost of the assessment. And at that right. point, they'll say like, look, it doesn't seem like you're going to meet the criteria here. I think you may have social anxiety or I think you may have, you know, that they'll 
you know, maybe oh, it's childhood trauma. I don't know, but what yeah. the other, like, I'm not a psychologist, but yeah. I, I didn't do that because by the time I went for assessment, I had done my own research and was fairly sure I was going to meet the criteria. Yeah. Um. So that's where I went, adultautism.ie. And, um, and yeah, it took, so it was three sessions. They were all about 90 minutes and they sort of send you a calendar and you book in for the sessions as like, you can put them weeks apart if you want, or, um, they say that you should put them at least four days apart just so that you've time to process what's happening in, in, in each of the sessions. But it's really the work before the sessions. They send you a lot of questionnaires, as I was describing earlier. And um, those helped us like they, those need a bit of time for reflection and going back yeah. and thinking about things from the childhood and and your adult experiences as well. Yeah. OK. Brilliant advice. That's good. That's good. I might be taking you up on that as well. Um, I want to ask you a quick question before we move on. And like I know I'm conscious of time and you're probably exhausted, so we, we won't keep you too much longer. I wrote it down because I wasn't really sure. But do you know you probably do the difference between autism and ADHD? I mean, there are similarities, but they're different as well, aren't they? ADHD is um like I mean they're what they're, they're they're two completely different things there oh, okay. is some overlap but okay. like in terms of executive function um f- hyper focus difficulty focusing um but they're not they, they do test you for both because it's comorbid so very often someone who has autism will also have ADHD I don't um but yeah I'm not sure yeah. what, what yeah, no, the reason why I was asked because I need to, when I put in any anywhere I saw autism, ADHD was usually linked to it. It was like, you know, you know, autism versus ADHD or comparison. So I just thought maybe that they were a bit more similar than I actually thought. Um <laughs> obviously like, not. It's, it's, well, no, no, they are like they're not similar, but a lot yeah. a lot of people with autism mm. will have ADHD, but not all people with ADHD are autistic. They're not oh, I get you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, brilliant. Um, I want to quickly ask you about your podcast, and we'll wrap this up fairly soon. Um, your podcast is so popular. Like, obviously, we mentioned that you had, um, or you had a, the live version of it last night. But I, I love the concept of it because it's like it's called basically, and I, I saw Jan Telly recently just explaining it, and it is it is kind of what it says on the tin, isn't it? It actually is just explaining things, basically and simply to you know. Yeah. To, to understand it just makes complex things basic for people and uh like it, it's a mix of like what i find interesting and what the audience want to hear so like yeah we've done a political series so we've had the t-shock on mary lou minister for finance like different being like what is the difference between fianna Fáil and fianna Gael? what is a t-shock what is a minister what do you do what's your actual job tell it to me in simple terms then we've had like a mental health um a mental health series where we've talked about um we've just had experts on in anxiety social anxiety perinatal mental health so that's mental health of pregnant people and people who have had babies or miscarriages um we've had um parenting as someone who has a mental health problem and like how much is that going to impact your child and then listeners can ask questions of the experts we did a fertility series because people were saying like it's really expensive for me to go to a fertility consultant and talk about IVF can you get the information for us so we did a series on egg donation sperm donation IVF IUI fertility treatments um surrogacy and 
you know, so it's, it's, it's just like, then we also will have like, you know, what the fuck's going on in Ukraine? How did this happen? And then Luke O'Neill is a regular. So he comes on every now and again and talks about what's the story with COVID now. And um, so, yeah, it's just like anything that's complex that people are like, you know, I, I need to know more about that. We've had interesting ones as well, like how to plan a funeral. So we talked to a funeral director because no one wants to be finding out how to do that, like in the moment when it's important. Yeah. Um how to deal with financial planning like how, how, how to get a mortgage how to get health insurance what one to buy what so we just like people just think like our people listen to podcasts and they're like actually you know this is all seeming a bit complex can you do an episode on whatever and 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 then i'll find an expert and and get them yeah. on and, and get listener questions in it's a brilliant idea because there's so many things that i like i am quite visual but you know i i do learn better when things are i'm not probably most people do but when things are you know said to me in layman's terms and like it's just easy to understand rather than all this yeah jargon and gibberish that you just it just confuses you so i actually think it's a brilliant idea i really do um one last thing before i let you go is your writing so obviously you've got two books haven't you do you find it very therapeutic to write not really like as therapeutic Mm. as a bat it's grand like (laughs) Um, I think sometimes people over talk about like how therapeutic and cathartic it is to write something down I don't ever experience that like and I don't ever think that there's any use in writing something that someone isn't going to read like I don't want to write to be I want to be heard like I want people to I want to feel like I'm worthy of being listened to someone to listen to like Mm there's nothing worse than having thoughts in your head that no one's listening to, you know, um, I don't ever, I don't relate to the impulse of people being like, I just write for me. I don't write for me. I write for people to, to be like, is anyone else feeling like this to, to have that feedback loop? Um, so I don't find terror. I don't find it particularly therapy. Like I find therapy therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Been in therapy for a long time. And, but I don't find like certain therapies. I also don't find therapeutic, like ones that just nod and, I'm always reluctant. Like, I just sometimes think that therapists are like cheerleaders for narcissists. Like, I know loads of people who are in therapy and they're really toxic people. And I'm like, are you like, is your therapist not saying like you're the problem? Do you know, like, so sometimes I think like when people have therapists, it's like, oh God, you just like just unconditional, smiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like unconditional positive regard is not a good thing all the time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I don't find journaling or any okay. of those things therapeutic. Okay. Um, I find therapy therapeutic. Yeah. Well, you did say earlier on that you're fairly self-aware. Anyway, where I think those other people are talking about aren't very self-aware at all. Um, Possibly, maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, look, look, the reason why I asked about the writing is a lot of people had told me in the past to try journaling, um, and I did never did it. <laughs> well, I started writing a few blogs, and I actually did kind of help me to get my thoughts out of my head and put them down onto the page. Um, but then I posted it online and I suppose once you get the feedback and that you can you feel a bit better about yourself um yeah that's yeah I try not to do like I try not to do that because my aim in life is to be the center force of my own self-esteem so like I don't like it's grand if people want to give me awards or people but I don't buy into it like I don't yeah like if you want to give me an award like grand but I don't take any I don't care what you think because I can't care what you think because if I care about the positive reviews then I have to reconcile the fact that when there's a negative review which there will be I have to give that equal weight and I'm just not here for that because I know from being in the industry that like people pay to be involved in awards people pay to get awards people pay to be in the club it's all nonsense and like 
so I don't care that people are like, oh, I really loved your article this week. That's great. I love that I can connect with people, but I don't get self-esteem from your opinion of me. I get self-esteem from helping other people. I get self-esteem from feeling like I have achieved something. And whenever I start buying into like, oh, I got more followers today. I'm like, this is dangerous because people are going to unfollow you. And if you start giving them the power to direct your mental health, you're absolutely fucked. So I try not to buy into any of it, really. Yeah, that's a fair point, actually, because I got asked a similar question last night. Someone, um, I was in a webinar and they're like, like, what influencers do I follow? And I was like, I don't follow any because I don't want to start comparing myself to someone else. So my answer was, I don't want to be another version of someone else. I want to be the best version of me. Um, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's the only thing I could, you know, pro- like it makes sense to me. You know, because you like you're so hard on yourself. The last thing I want to do is start comparing myself to someone else as well. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm off to re <laughs> to redo the intro to this podcast. <laughs> Don't no, leave it as it is. It was it was a nice. Uh, I'll put two. I'll put two versions out, and we'll see. We'll see which one is the most popular. We'll see which rates. Yeah. Thanks very much, Keith. Brilliant, Steffi. Look, thanks very much for coming on. I do really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, actually, look, that, that was fascinating. I need to go and process all that. Um, so I'll be back next week for another episode of the Endless Podcast. Bye for now.